The CFOs that get it, get it. The CFOs that don't, don't. Let's talk about the CFO, the Chief Financial Officer. There are two kinds of CFOs. One who's struggling to keep up, spreadsheets everywhere, manual processes. It takes weeks to close the books. The other kind is on top of their game. Automated reports, inventory, commerce, and HR flow into the financial model seamlessly. NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. That's why NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system used by over 28,000 growing businesses. 93% of businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Head to netsuite.com slash c-suite for a special one-of-a-kind financing offer. That's netsuite.com slash c-suite. netsuite.com slash c-suite. This is Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. Strategies to give your business the inside track. And now, here's your host, Joel Block. Sales managers, are you worried about being obsolete? Are you worried about your sales people becoming obsolete? Well, listen, don't worry about that anymore. We have Phil Gerbyshack here to talk about how to disruption-proof your sales force, disruption-proof your team. Phil, welcome. Glad to have you. Hey, uh, thanks, Joel. Nice to have you here. Tell us, uh, tell us what you're here for. So well, I'm here to talk about how sales managers and sales professionals need to change in order to adapt the new digital times. It's, you know, there's a lot of change that's happened in sales and yet a lot of the same things remain true. But if we don't adapt to the new ways of doing business, the new ways that buyers buy, sellers aren't going to be able to sell. So that, that's a key thing. So sellers have to adapt to how buyers buy. Let's start there. How are buyers buying right now? What's different than 20 or 30 years ago? Well, 20 or 30 years ago, there was a big information chasm between what the salesperson had and what the buyer had. We didn't know what the reviews were. We couldn't tell you what the product was like. We didn't have any samples. We didn't have any brochures. All we got was what the salesperson gave us. Fast forward to now. Now with Amazon, everything is reviewed. We can see verified purchases. We can make one-click decisions that automatically go. We see what the price is, and if the price goes down, we get automatically refunded the difference. This is very different, very, very different. And salespeople that don't understand that this is what's taking place are going to be blown up and going to be completely disrupted and probably broke. Well, and, and, and their companies are going down with them. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. It all goes. And, and by the way, the sales managers, they're going down too. They're so, going to go down faster. All, That's all right. It all together. So, all right. So we got all this uh, digital information. Uh, you know, there's uh, reviews and all the other stuff that people have. So uh, how do companies that are not Amazon compete with Amazon? I mean, I mean, I mean this is a big problem. This is going to go on for a little while. So give me, give me a couple of answers. Let's hear a few things. Sure. So, so first, remember that you're not just competing with Amazon. You're competing with inertia. People don't have to make any purchase. So you compete with Amazon and you compete with inertia. So how you do that, first of all, is you have to clearly articulate your value and not fight a war on price. I was actually sitting with uh, one of my clients today, and we we're talking about how the race to the bottom 
is a race of death, right? When you come up with price as your only differentiator, you're going to lose. So yeah, what's the value add? Yeah, that, that's a losing battle for sure. Yep. Yep. So what is the value add? What do you have, right? Is it, is it in common? Do you have something in common with your buyer? Do you have some insight, something that other people don't have, not just information like it used to be, but real true insight, or do you have something really interesting that nobody's ever seen before? Those are the let's, three things. Let's, um, let's kind of break this in, in parts here. Not all products. You're talking about products that are a little more complicated. Maybe they're more intangible. Maybe they require more selling. First of all, so what products are we not talking about and what are we probably talking about? Because not everything requires salespeople, you know, so sure. let's just kind of put a box around this. Sure. Well, we're talking really about those B2B more complex sales where there's multiple purchasers, multiple buyers that influence the decision. Yeah. We're not talking about, you know, buying a widget um, because frankly, even though I did mention Amazon, right, we know that because people are used to buying that way, that does spill over into B2B. Yeah. How, how so? So, well, the expectation is completely different, right? Yeah. We know that people now are asking for price sooner and they're not loving the safety dance of, oh, it depends. Oh, I don't know. Oh, let's come up with that, right? That safety dance of, I'm not going to tell you a price because I don't know what your budget is. People are pushing back hard on that. So it's important that you be transparent on that and you give them at least some sort of pricing model sooner than later. And certainly you can put qualifiers on that, yeah. but you have to answer their question because dancing around it and you know, that, that verbal sparring, that doesn't work. That just ticks people off and it drives them to do business with somebody else. Yeah, that's for sure. Okay. So let's say that, um, so now we're talking about people who are not selling loaves of bread. So the things that are not available for purchase, uh, you know, so really the kind of the B2C stuff that, that you walk into a store and buy, that's what we're not talking about. Correct. That's okay. correct. We're talking about anything that's more complex from buying a car to, uh, to anything that's uh, more complicated. So Absolutely. How do you, how do you lay this out? And, and I also, by the way, want to talk to you about how do you find prospects? Cause I know you're great at that part. Sure. But, how do we lay out the sales process that's different than how we used to lay it out? Well, it, it starts with being someone that people want to do business with. We have to remember that. The first part of it, Joel, is we have to look like someone that somebody actually wants to do business with. The old puff up my chest, aren't I great? That doesn't work anymore. Yeah. Nobody cares yeah. that you're a quota crusher anymore. People want to know what's in it for them, not what's in it for you as the salesperson. So that's, that's the first most important piece. As we move from there, then we have to think about all the different pieces of information, probably 12 or 15 pieces of information to help make up that full puzzle so that they can make an informed decision. And that's things like price, that's delivery time, that could be you know what those features are, what actually benefits the person, right? We don't just wanna sell the whole, we need to sell actually what is there. Why are they buying that hole? Why are they buying that drill well, so, bit? So, so uh, you know, listen, where I, where I like to go right away is I like to ask people, what's the problem? What are we addressing? You know, what's really going on? And the more you understand, the less time you spend wandering around describing things that are irrelevant. So, yeah. I mean, how does that fit into your process? Absolutely. So, a lot of times, though, we don't have that information up front, right? They're still doing that research, Joel. That's the thing, right? They're still doing research, so they, won't, they haven't told us their problem yet. 
So we have to kind of guess and we have to, that's why we put together eight to 12 pieces of information that can help them put enough together because we see that in the new sales paradigm, in the new sales world, that people are waiting longer and longer to talk to a salesperson because they're worried that they're gonna just get sold something that they don't need. So more information and then offer real insight. So when they do pick up the phone, answer their question. Like when they actually yeah. go into chat, answer the question. Don't dance around. All the other crap, they know that already. They've been through your website. They've spent, you know, 30, 40, 50 hours doing research because remember, most buyers are only buying one or two things a year. They're not buying hundreds Especially, of things. Especially, we're, we're talking about things that are substantial. Right, Making yeah. substantial decisions. That's right, yeah, so. real, right, like big ticket items, right? Not, yeah. a, not a $100 item, not even a $1,000 item, but 10000 yeah. or more. People yeah. are doing research, right? And so that's where we have to be ready with the differentiator faster and be direct in the questions that they ask. In fact, if you look at the research around leadership, it's very similar to the research around sales, right? They want transparency. They want the questions answered in a direct way. Uh, Deb Calvert's new book that she did with Barry uh, Kuzis and Posner, I can't remember the book off the top of my head, but it's all about this, right? There's, there's a direct correlation between what people want from leaders and what they want from salespeople. So things like that, right, that's going to help you. That's going to help you stand out as a buyer. So, now. so listen, so let's, let's keep talking. Let's bring it back to the disruption proof concept. Yeah. You know, I mean, the world has changed. It's materially changed. There's been tremendous disruption. Uh, it's changed the way that we think. It's changed the way that we buy. It's changed the way that we interface with salespeople. It's changed the amount of respect that we have for salespeople. What are salespeople in this new environment in order to really, you know, kind of counteract the disruption that's taken place? What do they have to do to garner the respect of, of customers? Because those customers and clients, uh, if they respect them, they're going to do business with them. And that level of respect sort of seems like a factor that maybe didn't exist or wasn't really a big deal some time ago. Maybe it's a bigger deal now. What do you think? Yeah, well, I definitely think it's a bigger deal. I mean, no like and trust in there is respect because trust doesn't come without respect. And I have to respect that you're smarter than I am, that you have information that I need and that you can actually help me. Yeah. It's really important, right? So in between that like and that trust is your respect thing. And how do we get there? Well, first, salespeople and sales managers have to actually put out content that is relevant to buyers. And you might say, oh, dude, that's the marketing department. But here's the thing. If you're gonna be the one that interfaces with me and I'm gonna buy from you, Joel, I need to know that you are the best person. I wanna to talk to somebody else in your company, right? So that's the first thing. Listen, you have to get people to know that you know. If they don't know that you know, uh, that step one, they're moving on to somebody else and they will right. immediately ask for someone else. And that's one of the great frustrations people have. So salespeople have to put their best foot forward. So they get some respect, they've got a new business model. What other kinds of things can they do to prevent being disrupted right out of business? So, well, yeah, well, building relationships, big second thing, build relationships across an organization because people are shifting roles now. It used to be that you would go from junior accountant to regular accountant to senior accountant to maybe assistant comptroller to comptroller to CFO, maybe yeah. one day to CEO. That doesn't happen anymore. Most people don't stay in a job 18, 24, maybe 36 months and they jump around because they want to do different business stuff. I mean, the things get disintermediated. They get disrupted. 
So they want to do different things. So the person, the person that you build a relationship with in IT might be the person in the accounting or finance department tomorrow that you don't even know. I've got a company that I work with, Joel. We had a young woman that started out. She was in training. She went from training to IT. She went from IT into the business. Now Ooh. she's back into the, into the training department, eventually probably going to move back into IT or the business. And it's only been 12 years. This is not unusual. Millennials and other young people get bored. Heck, I get bored, Joel. I get bored all the time. So I want to do different stuff. And so that's where building relationships across the organization and not just with who you think now, is your economic buyer matters. Now, what, what does that have to do, though, with protecting the company against future disruption? I mean, well, you know, how, what, how does that tie together? So, well, part, part of it is if you are developing those relationships, sometimes your biggest competitor can join your team. So if you're out there and you're being helpful and they show that you're someone I want to work with, if you demonstrate that you have a great culture, place that people want to be, how you get disruption proof is you get people that are attracted to your business that say, ooh, pick me, I want to work with you, right? And then you find roles. So the best people, now not necessarily the best trained people, but the best people come on your team and they're excited, they're passionate evangelists and they're gonna share that excitement which helps you make you disruption proof because they're not all same, same thinking. They're you know, very different. One, one of the great things about, uh, about this program is every week we're bringing on different people that have different ideas about how to uh, deal with change, deal with disruption, how to uh, you know, eventually, uh, you know, listen, disruption proof is a goal, it's a standard, it's not real. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's an objective. But there's a lot of different things that we can do to get us very, very close. And by getting very, very close and always being ahead of the curve and always being paying attention to where we are on the curve is really the kind of thing that we need to do. And the things you're talking about, really, uh, it's a sea change attitude. You're talking about changing the way that we think about our jobs. You're talking about the way we think about uh, our customers, the way that our customers think about us. Believe it or not, I mean, when I'm listening to this, it's not a physical thing what you're talking about. It's an attitude. We have to change our attitudes and the attitude, number one, we have to have an attitude of we want to uh, prevent disruption. We want to be disruption proof, but we also have to think about ways to uh, interact with people that are, that are new and different. And that's, that's a pretty bold thing. Absolutely. Yeah. It's all about the mindset, Joel. I mean, that's the first step to, you know, be willing to embrace the change, even if we don't like it. So let's talk, let's shift gears. Let's talk about finding leads because you're good sure. at finding leads. I mean, you, I have great control of social media. Uh, you're uh, you're a maverick. You know, you know, I'm I'm all over LinkedIn. I know you're all over LinkedIn, uh, but you use LinkedIn in a different way than I do. So let's talk about how do you prospect using LinkedIn? Because prospecting has completely changed in the last 20 years. Uh, do you still make cold calls? I mean, is cold calls still a thing or what? Yeah. So great question, Joel. So let's it's it's two halves to prospecting. It's inbound. It's people that contact me. And it's outbound, right? People that I contact. And I, I hate cold calls with no research are useless, right? Yeah. The old pick up the phone, put it down. I need to make a thousand calls a day. Hope like hell a hundred people pick up, 10 of which will actually take an appointment, three of which lead to business. That's BS. That's just a waste of time. It's a waste right? of time. That just, yeah. It is. So instead, right, let's focus first on inbound. So create content that people in your target market want to consume, and you can see this on LinkedIn, it's awesome. LinkedIn actually gives you statistics of what companies looked at your stuff, what location they're in, and what uh, job what title level? they have, yeah. mm -hmm. which is 
remarkable. remarkable. This is awesome. Yeah. I mean, think about this. This changes your prospecting because now you can know, oh, this message resonates with this person in this city. Okay. So maybe I need to shift it up. Maybe it's not right. But if it is, now go out, do your work, right? Do your outbound searching. Look for the people at those companies and you can say, hey, you know what? There's a bunch of people in this company, maybe some of which you're already connected to. Again, if you listen to me before, you, pro you spread your net wide, doesn't matter on the, on the role. Now you can say, hey, Joel, you got 12 people at Microsoft. Can you introduce me to somebody there? Because I'd really like to get on the inside, right? And you're Mr. Inside. I'm gonna come at that from the outside perspective and try to work my way from the inside out and the outside in, combine yeah. the two, and that's how you prospect now. And frankly, shift up your message. Again, those three eyes that I talked about, Joel, about in common, insight, and interesting, those yeah. are so darn important. And if you can't be at least one of those, probably two of those, you're not going to win anymore because the old, hey, Joel, I got something to sell you. Let's talk. So, Phil, what you're, what you're talking about is something that I call raise your hand marketing. I, I like to market to people who raise their hand and say, I'm interested. So yep. you, you bait the hook with, with important information that, that buyers want, and you put it out in different forms. We could talk about what kind of forms, but you put out uh, different kinds of information, and then people will call and say, hey, uh, I'm very interested in this. Could you help me or tell me more? Uh, so all of a sudden now, instead of, a, you, know, instead of you cold calling 1,000 people, 10 or 15 or 20 people who are interested are going to raise their hand and they're going to express interest in being related to you somehow. How do you create a machine, a marketing machine that continues to pull the right 20 or 30 people every cycle, whatever the cycle is that you need? Yeah. You so, well, start, start back in the content phase, right? Really think about what are the big five to seven big things, big trends that you see, you know, you got to, you got to put your flag down and say, here's the five to seven things that I want to be known for. Put your flag down and you need to start creating content around that. And that's first, the big piece, the big piece could be, you know, it could be an ebook. It could be a good video, whatever it is. Right. And you don't even have to worry about people opting in because if it's good enough, they're going to like it. You're going to see them and you can contact them. Right. So you might as well just give the stuff away in many cases. I mean, Joel, you're a perfect case for this, man. People get your book. Well, sure, they can buy it if they want a physical form, but you give it away in electronic form because the information is what's important because we know that information that other people don't have influences thinking. That's insight. You've got insight and that's important. So get that out there. Right. So put that there. And then when you think about it, then every week, you should be adding to those big chunks. So you could certainly hire a writer to help you write those five to seven big rocks that are sitting on your website, that are sitting on your LinkedIn profile, that are sitting on your YouTube channel, that are sitting on a Vimeo channel, wherever they are, and then just write around that. And if those are resonating, now start going after those people that are liking, commenting, sharing, that are visiting your posts, because clearly they've said, oh, I'm interested in this. And not in a spammy way, like, hey, buy my crap. I see you click my link. But really in a direct way of, hey, I see that you're interested in this. Would you like to have another conversation, a deeper conversation, where I can offer some insight beyond what is in my book, beyond what is in this video? And really try to, try to hold back the, uh, the urge to sell. Yes, you know? absolutely. So, you know, what we're talking about, if you, if you continue doing it the old way where it's a cold call, pound, 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 uh, the world has changed, it's moved right past you for a lot of business. Listen, maybe some businesses that still work, but for a lot of businesses it does not work 
those are the ones being disrupted right out of business. And in order for people and companies to stay ahead of the curve, they really do need to adopt some of these content marketing strategies. I think they're great strategies. I use it. I know use it. Many, many of the people that I deal with use this kind of strategy. I was with some guys the other day. Uh, they were talking about building a sales force. And I, I said, it's just, it's just, it's not the right way to go anymore. It's just not the right direction. The way to go is to set up a whole content marketing funnel system where people raise their hand. I mean, how awesome is it to get people to raise your hand? I mean, it's, it's awesome. And you can do that in a lot of ways. You can do that as a speaker. If you're speaking to audiences, you can get people to raise their hand. Uh, there are lots of ways to do that. If you're doing it online, you can get people to click like or respond to a question or go to your website. And you can track what people are doing what. And that makes it uh, significant. So uh, to me, it's much more efficient. I would much rather deal with people that raise their hand and say that they're interested in talking to me or want to learn more uh, and give them much more time because I'm not spending time dialing people who aren't interested in me. So I can, it actually works in, in two different ways. One is I don't waste time. And two is I can take the extra time and I can invest it in the people that are most likely to give me the biggest returns. And it always works. So, uh, you know, I, I hope that people will take this advice seriously. I mean, this is, is it a hard thing to set up? I mean, I mean, listen, I've done it for me, but you've done it for others. I mean, is it hard? Do you, does it take a long time? Well, it can. And often that, that mindset, Joel, is the hardest thing to shift. You know, organizations that I work with, until they embrace the mindset, until they understand that they're giving first, it's very hard. But once you embrace that, right, once you fix the mindset, yeah. the tool set and the skill set come after that. So the tool set, right, we've got some video, might have a podcast, create some eBooks, right? So, so it's typically, you know, I, I spend a half a day to a day with my clients where we whiteboard out the the combinations and we boil it down then to those five or seven with, you know, 10 or 20 subtopics in each of those five to seven. And then either you write, either you hire a writer or you pick the big ones, you, yeah. you get those done. And then as you get time, you add to those. But every piece of that is really, it's bait to attract your best customers so they can raise yeah. their hand and say me. You know, listen, it's, um, it's a brilliant new way of marketing. I love this. I think it's awesome. And really, if you're not doing this sort of thing, then disruption is, is, is tapping you on the shoulder. It's sitting on your shoulder waiting to take over. And it's, it's very dangerous. So where else can we go? What other kinds of things, what other kind of issues do you see salespeople and sales managers, what do you see them dealing with that uh, is problematic and that needs to be addressed? Well, some of it is confidence, Joel, because this has changed and they don't always have the confidence necessary to step this forward. So to that question, I would just encourage anyone listening, don't worry about being confident, just worry about doing it. Practice, right? So and I've do, got- do, Practice what? Doing what? What are you so, referring to? Yeah. So if you're going to do video, because now LinkedIn has video, right? Just put your darn phone up, practice smiling. And be cheesy, but practice smiling because here's the thing. When you get on camera, if you look all intense and you've got RBF, you got to be really careful with that, right? So people don't like that. So practice smiling at the camera. Then practice talking to the camera. Just record a little piece of yourself, 60, yeah. 90 seconds, right? Take some notes. It takes, it takes a little practice. It, it does. But, you know, but there's also a little bit of technique involved. And I imagine if, uh, if people are really interested, they can call you. They can, you know, they can reach out and... Of course. So, well, listen, Phil, why don't, you, why don't you give us a place? How do people get a hold of you if they want to get a hold of you? Listen, you speak, you advise companies, you're, uh, you're a wonderful resource. If they want to reach out, what do they do? 
Well, I'd encourage you to use LinkedIn and reach out to me there because all my contact info is there. Everything is linked off of LinkedIn. Be social. Tell me you heard me on Joel's show and just find me, Phil Gerbyshack. That's G-E-R-B-Y-S-H-A-K. Just search for Phil Gerbyshack on LinkedIn. Tell me you heard me on Joel's show and I'd be happy to connect with you. Great. Well, listen, we are working hard to be disruption proof and Phil, thanks for helping us be disruption proof. I think you've made a big difference and I think there's a few salespeople and sales managers whose lives is going to be changed as a result of what you just shared with us. So thank you very much for being with us. My pleasure. Thank you, Joe. Be well. You've been listening to Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. For more insights and to learn more, visit joelblock.com. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.